All right. Good morning. Hey, let's pray. Lord, uh, we want whatever you have for us today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll bring us into your presence and uh, speak to us, minister to us, and uh, show us, Lord, I, I know that you have uh, a word. Lord, you spoke this, and uh, so God, I pray that we would just understand it in, in great fullness and revelation today, and uh, that, that only happens through you. So speak to us, speak through me, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... We have walked for like 10 weeks through uh, the last week of the life of Jesus, and uh, today we are, in a way, wrapping that up. Uh, most of what I have brought you has been out of the book of Luke, so the Bible is broken up into two sections. There's the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament is the story of God creating the world, choosing His people, promising that a Messiah, a Savior, would come, and when that Savior comes... Uh, that is in the New Testament. That's where the New Testament begins. You have 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament, uh, and everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Now, uh, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this is, this is what we've been walking through. Uh, two of those are eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Two of those books are firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus. Uh, one, Luke, is a survey. He interviewed people who walked with Jesus, and he wrote the book of Luke. But he is going to go on to write the book of Acts. And so literally where Luke leaves off, Acts picks up. And it is the story of how the church begins. But we are, uh, even though we went through the resurrection and the eyewitness accounts of those who saw the resurrected Messiah last week, there's still one more thing to talk about. In Matthew, we get some last words from Jesus. Now, we know that in every gospel, some women run to the tomb to see that Jesus is not there. cracking me up. Oh, just wait. You know that, um, that there are women who run to the tomb to see that Jesus is not there. And an angel says, uh, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. And the angels say, go to Galilee and meet Jesus. Now, these disciples are going to go to Galilee, and they'll, they'll go up on a mountain, and they're going to receive some last instructions from Jesus, Okay. And uh, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, let's walk, through, uh, let's walk through that part, okay? Now, when I read this, just remember for a moment that what I am reading to you, people have studied for about 2,000 years as the instruction for how to live their life. We literally stand with the ancients on this. I mean, this is uh, sort of the the pinnacle of a Christian life. So, like, this is a really, really heavy text. Read it with me. 2816. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. 
That's interesting. We talked about, we talked about this last week. You know, uh, people, even the ones who follow Jesus, are going to doubt all the while as they're following Jesus. And then after he dies and is resurrected, many are going to ver- find it very hard to believe that Jesus has resurrected. But now we are dealing with the 11 disciples. Remember Judas Iscariot? There were 12. Judas Iscariot has hung himself by now. There are 11 disciples. These are the closest ones to Jesus. They are meeting him on the mountain. And it says, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. This is incredibly paradoxical. Uh, This is something that should not be able to happen, to worship and to doubt. But what did they doubt? They had seen Jesus before he dies. They've seen Jesus after he rises from the dead with their own eyes, even saw as Thomas put his fingers in the nail holes and in the, in, in the hole in his side, what could they possibly be doubting? And how could they possibly be worshiping at the same time? I think we get the answer to that in verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is going to start what he's about to say with this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now the disciples were doubting and Jesus responds to that because as we've been reading, you see a lot of the things that he did were in response to his disciples. He's trying to throw them a bone. He's trying to help them out. And he he comes to them as they are doubting, and these are his words of comfort. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This gives me a little clue into what they were doubting. Because they're receiving instructions to continue the ministry of Jesus on even after he has passed. And what they are doubting is that they can pull it off. Church, look at me. Jesus is not still in flesh walking on this earth. And you find yourself in a position where you believe in God. You believe in a creation of this universe. And not just that, you believe that God came to this earth as a man. And now you kind of wonder with some folks, am I ever going to be able to convince them? Am I going to be able to pull this off? Do I just look silly right now? Am I crazy for believing this? Yet you show up and you worship. As you understand exactly the boat the disciples are in as they worship, yet some doubted. And Jesus' words of comfort are, all authority has been given to me. He basically went up to them and said, look, I know y'all are stressed about this, but it's not about you. You don't have to be awesome. You don't have to go and convince people and have such persuasive words. And and, and everyone is not doomed without you. That was on me. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. You need to just chill and do what I showed you how to do. Okay? So if you ever have that overwhelming uh, feeling where you think, I don't know what I'm going to do, I can't pull this off, you're right. 
You can't pull this off. I don't even know if I much less reach other people for the gospel. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can withhold from temptation. I don't know if I can stay. Listen, (laughs) we know. Jesus knew. That's why he said all authority on heaven and earth, that's mine. You just stay involved with me and I got your back, Jack. It's not about you. I know you're not strong enough. That's why you need me. That's why I came, right? So he's actually comforting them with this. They're doubting because they don't know what's going to happen next. And, and this is what Jesus has to say to every one of you. Because I listen to this. This is a word, this prophetic word over your life today. It does not matter what happens next. I got one amen out of that. Listen to me. Look at me. I know, I know, I know. You got stuff going down. You got big decisions to make, and you don't know what's going to happen. Look at me. It doesn't matter. You are not about to find a path, find a road, virgin to a territory where God is like, ooh, I can't go there. I don't have control. The Bible says that when he died on the cross, he went and took the keys from Hades. In other words, he took the gates to hell key and said, take it. And he went. There's not a place where he can't go. You're not about to, you're not about to verge into some territory where God's like, good luck. I can't go with you there. This ain't the Chronicles of Narnia. This is not some, right, right? This is, this is not, you're not going to Mordor with a ring or whatever the name of that place is. You are going nowhere that he can't be with you. All authority is given to him. So we just, we just march. We just go. And if you're not marching into something, walking into something that's a little intimidating, that you don't have this thought like, I don't know if I can pull this off, you're probably not doing the right thing. Because when he gives you instruction, typically you need Jesus to pull it off. So this is what he says to him. He's like, okay, first of all, first of all, don't let this stress you out. Chill, because I have all authority, okay? And then this is what he gives him. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we're going to break this down, but we have to understand part of this first. And this is why I'm cracking up, because I have a couple special guests who are coming on up. Uh, Dusty, go ahead and, and bring your disciple with you. Y'all, I thought he was bringing the older one. This is what we get today, so stuff's about to get wild. All right. So, all right. Now, let's just break down discipleship and take this completely out of the spiritual realm into the secular realm for just a moment and pretend that I am a boot maker. And you're like, why are you making dirty boots? I don't know. That's what I got. But I am a boot maker, and people like my boots. So they begin to buy my boots, but there's not enough of me to go around. So I need somebody to help me, okay? So I need somebody to help me. So the person who helps me, what do I need them to do? I, I, I need them to make boots, okay? I know, I know this sounds uh, oversimplistic, but this is, this is how this works, okay? I make boots. I need more boots made. So I hire Dusty, and Dusty makes boots. Okay, Dusty, what is your job? Make boots. Make boots. Uh, you, do you see? Now, now he's still got to sleep and eat and do all those human things, and I don't care. 
He might have a hobby. He might play golf. I don't know. I just need him to be able to make boots. But it gets to be too much for me and Dusty. <laughs> There's too much work for us to do. And so, Dusty, I need you to raise up somebody that knows how to do what? Can you hold that? There you go. Look at that. That's a good boy. So I need somebody who can make boots. And I need somebody who can show people how to make boots. You know why? Because people need boots. And this is how we think of discipleship only as a very spiritual world. But in the, in, before our generation, if you had a disciple... Maybe, maybe you were making swords. Maybe you were making horseshoes. Maybe you're making shoes. Maybe, maybe you're a bricklayer, and your disciple has to learn how to do that. And there's a reason we don't start at certain ages. <laughs> now, this seems clear-cut, right? This seems clear-cut. And you know what would be, would be crazy? would be crazy. You're like, man, you've got to get rid of these people. What if, what if one day I came to Dusty and I said, hey, Dusty, I'm making boots and you're making boots. Uh, and you, you're, you've got a disciple here that you're showing how to make boots. What have you taught him how to do so far? Dusty, give me a, what have you taught him how to do? He can, he can play Minecraft. He can play Minecraft. <laughs> Does that help me? No. Why did I bring him in? To make boots. But he can play Minecraft. Can he, well, that, there's nothing wrong with playing Minecraft. What else can he do? He can throw baseball pretty good. <laughs> he can throw baseball pretty good, he says. There's nothing wrong with throwing a baseball. But what do I need him to do? Can he do anything else? What can you do? Play with what? Play, he plays with Elmo. He plays with Elmo. Not helpful in the least. And I, I, know this is a, I know this is a silly example. You think, well, this is too on the nose. But take the boots away for just a moment and, and say that we're trying to lead people to Jesus. And, and, and he says, go therefore and make disciples. And so I show Dusty how to make disciples. And Dusty begins to make disciples. And then there's not enough of us to go around, and so we need someone else. And so this is what we have. And, and this, is, this is pretty pointed because this is what we have. God help us. <laughs> this is what we have. This is the future. Now, now how about this when I say, Dusty... You're supposed to show him how to make disciples. You're supposed to show him how to lead people to Jesus. What can he do? Well, he plays with Elmo. Well, he can throw a baseball. None of those are bad things. I like a little Elmo myself. None of those are bad things. But are any of them what he's supposed to be doing? Graham, wave to everybody. I want everybody to say hi. Y'all clap for Graham. Didn't he do a great job? All right, all right. This dude's this dude's ready to go back to class. He's he's squirming up here a little bit, which is a reminder. Y'all pray for whoever's teaching our classes today. For some reason, 
when we take things out of the secular realm and into the spiritual realm, discipleship takes on a completely different meaning, and it shouldn't. Jesus said, you guys walked with me for three years, now go make disciples. But listen, in verse 16, we said, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. These were Jesus' disciples. And Jesus said, I walked with you for three years, and I showed you how to do everything that I wanted you to do. I explained, the, I explained the scripture to you. You know how I did things. Now I want you to go do them, and I want you to make disciples just like I made disciples. And I'm going to tell you, they did it. When you read Luke's, Luke's next book, Acts, you will see that the church begins to explode because people just walk around doing what Jesus did. But then somehow, by the time we get from about the year, you know, 30, well, 33, 34, 35, wherever, you know, most of these things in Acts are happening, until you get to 2023, all of a sudden, being a disciple means taking care of my own business and just trying to live the best I can. That's not what it means. Listen, we have people that we work with. We have spouses. We have boyfriend, girlfriend. We have children that we are supposed to teach how to follow God and how to bring others there. And we begin to teach them a lot of things. And so there was nothing wrong with playing baseball. There's nothing wrong with, no, with any. I haven't, haven't found a sport yet I didn't like. I like playing badminton. I don't care. I like all of it. But it's not what I'm called to do. Well, TV, well, phones, well, all these things. None of, those, none of these things have to be evil things. All Satan cares about is that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. What he can't destroy, he's satisfied to distract. I have a job. And we can, we can push our children. We can push our friends. Some of you may be ministering to your parents. We can push, we can push whatever God has entrusted to us to a level of greatness in anything. But I don't care I don't care if, if you've shown your friend how to be grandmaster chess champion. That is prestigious. Nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven. Discipleship doesn't just take on a new meaning because we come into the spiritual realm. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Man, that's, I mean, this is a pivotal part in history right here. This, this means it expands to everyone else, okay? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're supposed to make disciples. Here's what we do. And what do we do with disciples? Two subheadings here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Baptizing and teaching. Okay? First off, what is baptism? I'm not going to go through it in great detail, but listen, this is a symbol. You see my wedding ring? This means I am 
married. What about, what about now? Well, I'm still married. I'm still married. I assure you, I'm still held to the same standard by my wife, whether or not I'm wearing this. But what is this? Yeah, there you go. It's a symbol. My ring is a symbol of my commitment. So the ring means nothing unless I have first been married. And this is what baptism is. Baptism, there's two symbols that are going to happen here. One is I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death. So the symbol is that I have died and I raise again a new person where Jared is no longer in charge of Jared, but Jesus is in charge of Jared, right? So that is one. The second is I'm being washed. But it is only a symbol of the things that have already happened inwardly in me. Now, I believe, you, you guys know that. We baptize here all the time. Just because I'm saying it's a symbol doesn't mean that I'm saying that you don't have to do it. You, Jesus says, deny me before men, I deny you before the Father. You, if you haven't been baptized and you're a believer, you need to. But understand that before you can be baptized, you first have to be saved. So when he says baptizing them, he means you've got to go to them and tell them the gospel and explain who Jesus is and why you need him. Okay? And second thing is teaching. He says, observe everything I have commanded. This is interesting. How do you teach someone to observe everything that the Father has commanded? If you're going to truly teach someone, if you're going to truly teach someone, you're going to have to walk with them. How many of you would feel comfortable getting in the car uh, with, with my daughter having never driven before, but I say, no, I explained to her how to do it. That'd be sketchy. Well, she's never drive, but I explained to her how to do it. No, when I teach her how to drive, I have to drive with her. Why? So that I can correct. What's the problem when we get into spirituality, when we get into the relationship with Jesus on correcting? Not a lot of people have that kind of authority in your life, do they? You've got to allow someone to teach you. This is why we're doing life groups. Because you need somebody that is close in your life. You need partners in ministry. You need mentors. You've got to have people who are watching your life. And if you're waiting for someone to just show up at your door and say, I want to mentor you, you will wait until it's too late. You've got to seek these things out. This is why we go to church. This is why we do uh, life groups. This is why we have the vine. This is why we have all of these things, because we are connecting you with people who can teach you and also people that you can teach, because this is going to come through accountability. The whole Christian living section is right here. And this is difficult. It's a difficult thing to teach. It's a difficult thing to do. I need people to do this with me. But consider this for a moment. Jesus is with how many disciples right now? Eleven. He told them to go in. Now there's more. There's more who follow him, but he's with eleven. But he tells us to go out and make disciples. I want you to understand this part. If Jesus took eleven but you got 20, 
You ain't doing a very good job. Not enough of you. I mean, consider that for a moment. How about this? Have you led anybody to salvation? Have you baptized anybody? Is there anyone sitting here today or in any church or anywhere today that can say, hey, this person took me under their wing and showed me who Jesus was, showed me the love of Jesus, and my life is forever changed because of it. Man, stop thinking about how you're going to save millions and care about one person's eternity. Now, it doesn't always work just like that. You'll typically have more than one, and you don't just keep somebody as a disciple forever. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life showing Dusty how to make boots. How do I know a disciple is a disciple? Well, it's the same thing as kids. When do we stop calling you a kid? It's kind of different for everybody, right? But how do I know that someone has grown and matured? When you've grown up and have kids of your own. So I disciple someone to the point that they begin to make disciples. In the same way that I raise a child until the point that they, now this is historically speaking, okay? People used to have children a lot younger and stuff. But I would raise a child until the point that they go out and have a family of their own. Disciples of their own. It's a very natural, very simple process. I did not say easy. I said simple. And there's a lot of freedom in how you do it. Look at me. There's a lot of freedom in how you make disciples. We're going to parent differently. We're going to meet with people differently. Your Bible study is going to look different than mine. When I say Bible study, you're thinking about a class. I'm talking about the way you study the Bible is going to be different than the way that I do it. The way that you teach someone to study the Bible is going to be different than the way that I do it. There's a lot of freedom in how we do things, but there's not a lot of freedom in what we do. As we were all told this, go make disciples. It is a non-negotiable in your instructions from Jesus. Go make disciples, baptizing and teaching. Sound exhausting? Shouldn't be. Should be natural for us as a Christian who has God, which is love. God is love. God does not have love. He is love. Okay? It is natural for us to want to go and love people. It should be comforting that He has all the authority and that my job is not to save the whole world. My job is to take the people that God made me responsible for and do my best. That's what I'm responsible for. Hopefully that's a huge relief to you. But here's the part that I think few people tell you about. Living for Jesus will be hard. This is not a prosperity gospel, but let me give you this. John chapter 15, verse 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, your command is to make disciples, you will remain in my love just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. He discipled, now we disciple. We're in the Father's love. Listen to verse 11, because I think this is really what you came here for today. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. 
Listen to me. I'm not telling you like a clinical diagnosis for depression. And, and maybe you need to go see someone. But I'm telling you spiritually, if you are depressed in this place today, if you can say on a spiritual level, I'm depressed, let me tell you why. Because you're not living for anyone else. We're going to wrap this up in one word called purpose. If you are not experiencing the purpose that God put you here for, it will be very deflating, very depressing for you. When you find your purpose, you will risk everything to do it. You will risk all of your money to do it, all of your time to do it. You may find yourself moving. You may find yourself giving up your most prolific income. You may find yourself doing things that are crazy. Why? Because this is why I was put here on earth, and nothing else matters in comparison. And when we don't have that, we can never fill that void with any amount of money, success, prestige, fame. None of those are purpose. So if you are in here today and you feel deflated in your faith, you are not exactly pumped to wake up every morning. I know from the outside looking in, I have everything going, but I don't feel, who are you living for? Who are you living for? I asked you last week not to leave here without a plan to meet with Jesus. This week, I'm going to ask you not to leave here without a plan of how you're going to be a disciple. Because to be a disciple, I have to be discipled, and I have to disciple. I hope you took me seriously last week. I want you to have a plan. How am I going to meet with Jesus? What is going to be my daily way to come to the throne of God and meet with the Lord? But today... What is your plan to do what you were brought here to do? Because some of y'all were looking at me like, listen, we love Dusty and all, but as a boot maker, you need to fire this guy. He ain't making boots. He ain't showing anybody how to make boots. Man, until you start doing what the Father put you here to do, it will be very deflating for you as a Christian. If there's something that you're missing, please consider that because you will continue to be deflated. Now, we are told to make disciples. And what are the two things that we do with disciples? One is what? Baptize. And the second is teach. Let's just do it right now. Cole, why don't you come on up? A very special story going on this morning, okay? Um, Bodie, will you bring me the microphone right there on the end of the chair? Uh, I want Cole to come up here. Some of you guys know Cole. Some of you do not. Uh, if you know Cole, you've been here for a little while because Cole uh, now lives in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, he was there just yesterday and gave me a call. And uh, Okay, you, you tell him. Why are you here? Uh, basically, uh, I decided to set Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, I was, yeah, yeah. So I was baptized at a young age, and uh, basically just out of like pressure from my like the people around me, mm -hmm. and I just did it to like get out of the way, and like I wasn't saved, and uh, 
you know, I was living for the flesh for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, meeting Pastor Jared here in Ranger about, what, four or five years ago, um, I've given my life to Jesus. I've been living for him, and I want to make it known to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So Cole is involved in a church. Uh, he is involved in a church there in San Antonio, uh, but it's a big church. And he said, man, this is where, this is where it kind of all happened for me. And so this is where I want to be baptized. And I said, bro, jump in the truck. Let's do this thing. So, man, we're going to do this. All right. So you all hear that profession of faith? That he got, he got married before he put the ring on, right? Cole, Cole believes. So, Cole, hearing that testimony from you, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Proud of you, man. Awesome. I told Cole that I was going to run over and get a towel for him, and I did not. So, Cole, you're just going to have to drip dry in that <laughs> In that room right there. That's what's awesome. If I'd have done this to a lady, I'd felt bad. But Cole's just like, hey, I'm in college, dude. So sorry about that. Oh, here comes a towel. Look at that. Woo! All right. See? People got my back. Listen, uh, worship team, I want you all to go ahead and come up. Hey, the worship team's going to... Worship team's going to do a song. Baskets are going to come to the front as they go back. Listen, right out on your connection card... Uh, give us something that says that you want to, to be in a life group. We'll try to get in contact with you as soon as we can. But non-negotiable of the Christian faith is to be a disciple of Jesus. We are not supposed to do life alone. In Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth, right? And then he makes man. And he said, let us make man in our own image. Who's he talking to? We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God has been living in community all the while, and we are made in His image. We are supposed to live in community. I want you to have somebody who can disciple you. I want you to have that awkward conversation today. And if if you can't make a life group, I want you to grab somebody and say, I need you to disciple me. If somebody comes up with you with that today, listen, you better be faithful with that. What more important thing do you have going on? We are called to be disciples. So uh, you, guys, you guys stand and worship with us, and I just want to pray over you. By the way, prayer team, why don't y'all go ahead and come to the front as it gets super dark in here. Hey, we're still working on the back. We're going to get some more light in the, in the back in the weeks to come. But uh, prayer team is going to be up here in the front. They want to pray over you. Okay, that's why they're here. Uh, so during worship or even when service is over, they're here to pray with you. Um, but I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that you will give us courage, that you will give us wisdom, Father, that everyone in this place would be a disciple of you, Father, and that, uh, Father, not only would we have people investing in us, but that we would turn and and, and invest in others. God, we need you to make this happen. These these connections can't can't be forced, Lord, and so we just need your divine intervention on this and uh, need your love and encouragement. We ask all this in the name of Jesus.